Welcome to the Unitarian Universalist Church of Kent. My name is Camille Pavlicek-Fauser, and I'll be your worship associate today. We gather as a diverse and inclusive spiritual community that seeks to inspire love, work for justice, and grow in community. No matter your gender, age, economic status, political affiliations, affectional or sexual orientations, spirituality or beliefs, you are welcome here. In this spirit, we extend a special welcome to our visitors. Thank you for being with us today. Today we begin our annual pledge drive for our congregational budget for fiscal year 2020. This year our pledge drive is more than a request for your financial support. I've asked our generosity team, which leads the work of the annual pledge drive, to assemble a team of people who are going to reach out to every one of you, members, friends, and supporters, to have a conversation about our church. Please say yes to this opportunity to talk with another member of our congregation and to offer your feedback, your ideas, and your hopes for our future and our growth, along with your promise of financial support. Your ideas, your feedback, your concerns and hopes will be shared with our leaders and with me so that together we can make decisions about our priorities and our ministries in the years to come. Thank you. The generosity team is available downstairs in Fessenden Hall after both services. They have pledge cards and a packet full of information. Please stop by to see them. And the second announcement is about the Chris Crass workshop on Saturday, March 9th from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. The work of racial justice is some of the most important work we need to do together as a congregation, and I ask you to participate. If you have not signed up, please do so by going online. There is a link in your order of service or by calling a church office. Lunch will be provided that day, and we need to know how much food to buy. We also need your financial support to make this workshop happen. If you've given a gift toward this workshop, thank you for your support and generosity. If you have not yet, please consider a gift to support this workshop and to help us continue our journey of racial justice. And once again, welcome. As Unitarian Universalists, we light a flame within a chalice as a symbol of sanctuary and safety to unite us in our worship as a sign of life's beauty and wonder and to remind us of our ongoing search for the light of truth within us and among us. Our chalice lighter this morning is Soren. Oh, God. 
how you feel about bread machines, but I never wanted one. My husband and I love baking bread, and I also love the fact that I follow my foremothers in baking traditional Czech breads. Nevertheless, two of my dearest friends gifted me with a bread machine for my birthday many years ago. The three of us had had the bread machine conversation numerous times, and I was vocal about my opinion of them. Fine for others, but when I baked, I wanted more than just one odd-shaped loaf, and the machines took up way too much space in a kitchen with limited storage. So how does one express gratitude (laughs) Some of you are really getting this, I can tell. (laughs) So how does one express gratitude when presented with a gift such as an unwelcome bread machine? As an aside, I secretly think it was a (laughs) re-gift. Mind you, these were very close friends, and we remained close until their deaths. I chose to never tell them my feelings about the bread machine. I gave it to my sister-in-law, who really wanted it, and it has remained a humorous tale for telling all these years. And it has remained an instructive event for me. So how do we develop the art of giving? Do we give for our own gratification? The gratification of another? Or some delicate balance of both? What role does courage play in giving? The late Stephen Covey wrote about courage in the moments of choice. Not necessarily huge, courageous actions, such as rushing into a burning building to save a life. Instead, he was talking about those seemingly insignificant moments when we pause to summon courage prior to making a choice. Courage to choose the best decision and to choose right action. Courage to be vulnerable and to give of ourselves, trusting that the world needs what we have to give. Courage to accept what others have to give and do so with grace. Come, let us worship together as we explore the courage to give. Good morning. My name is Vivian Sandlin. And back in 1995, I moved from Atlanta, Georgia to Northeast Ohio. And I was looking for a church community here. And I happened to bump into Reverend Meg Riley. I don't know if any of you know her. She runs the, she's the leader of the Church of the Larger Fellowship, that's right, um, which is online actually. And um, I said to her, her, her mother lived in Akron, and I said, what church would you recommend I go to? And she said, hmm, for you, for you, Kent. (laughs) And so I thought, well, I better try out a bunch. So I went all over the place visiting churches, and I decided she was right. This place felt like home to me. And it's been home ever since. It's now close to 25 years, 24 years. Um, I've just, it's been a wonderful family and community here. I've had so many opportunities. My, uh, my best friends are here. 
Uh, some of them have passed away, but I still remember them, and it's been just a wonderful relationship that I've had with so many people here. Um, my daughter was raised in this church, and this has just made such a difference in her life, and I want to thank everybody who helped me as a single parent to raise my daughter. Um, I've had opportunities to learn and grow. I've served on the board. I do now at the moment. I've worked on social justice projects that have been exciting. We worked against the war in Iraq, if you remember that. Um, we've worked on, uh, we're now working on being anti-racist and challenging racism. We've worked for immigrant rights. We became a welcoming congregation. We became a green sanctuary. There have just been so many opportunities to do this. I've, um, I've been an RE teacher, and that was great fun. And how many places can you go where you're in a community of people of all ages? And that's so exciting. And this church has given me so much, and that's why I, it's important for me to give back, and that's why I pledge. Thank you. This time, I'd like to invite the young, or the young at heart, up to the front. So I have a pretty interesting story to tell you this morning. I want you to imagine that you're going along a trail in the woods here in Ohio, okay? And you come across a steep gorge. And at the bottom of that gorge is a raging river, okay? And you see a bridge. And that bridge is made of grass. What would you be thinking? Don't go over it. <laughs> what would you think if you saw a bridge made of grass? Stay on the path. <laughs> what, who made that, right? <clears throat> well, what I would want to know more than anything else, it, did the people who make that bridge actually walk across it? And do they still use it? Of course, we don't have bridge, bridges made of grass in Ohio, but there were many built for hundreds of years in South America by the Inca people. And I think a few still exist today. And here's how they did it. First, they made a fresh bridge every single year, and everyone worked together. On the appointed day, everyone in the village would gather around to begin work. Some people had a special role to play in collecting all the grass. Others had a special role to play in building the bridge by weaving the grass together into ropes. <clears throat> so, do you think one of these ropes is really strong? You think it would hold you if you walked across it? No. So what they did was they made the ropes and then they braided it together like so. Okay. And they made it stronger and stronger. And then once they had the braids done, somebody else would wrap them around over and over and over again into other braids that would become as thick as my arm. Do you think that was probably strong enough? We're getting there, aren't we? <laughs> then other people took those ropes and those cables and they twisted them even further and they strung the cables across the gorge. They pulled them nice and tight and then still other people made latches to create a footbed across the bridge. And then still others made cables as handrails. So everybody worked together. And each person did their part the best they could. And do you know how many people could walk across the grass bridge? 
five people at a time and a llama. <laughs> so I'm telling you about Grass Bridges this morning for two reasons. First, it reminds us of how important everybody's small part is when it's part of something big and strong and miraculous like a grass bridge. Everybody has a part to play. And I have to say, I think a grass bridge is pretty miraculous, don't you? Yeah. And these bridges could also span 60 feet, I didn't tell you that. That's pretty long. And the second reason I'm telling you this is because we as a congregation, well, maybe we're not building a grass bridge across a gorge over a raging river, but we are building a way to our future our shared vision, and I want to walk that way. And I hope that you want to walk that way too. And if I'm going to walk that way and you're going to walk that way, we're all going to do our small parts together to make it a strong and safe path forward. Don't you think? I think so too. Now, as we head to our classes, perhaps the rest of us could also consider how each of us, including our children, do our part even if it's a small part, in keeping our community safe and strong and miraculous and consider how are we building our grass bridge towards the future. I invite us to enter into the spirit of prayer and reflection, the spirit of life and of love, God of our individual hearts and understanding, you in which we share and find strength and common purpose. We turn our minds and hearts toward one another as we hold in this circle of care and concern all who need our love and support, those we've named, those in our hearts and thoughts, all who are ill, who are in pain either in body or in spirit, those who struggle with addiction, those who are lonely, those who grieve, the victims of any kind of abuse. We pray for them. We pray for ourselves, that we would be grateful for the many blessings we receive every day, and that we would use them with joy, generosity, and kindness. Help us to live fully this life we've been given, to treat each and every moment as a rare and precious treasure, to worship what is of true worth, to practice radical hospitality, welcoming the stranger, to speak the truth as we know it, and to join in the struggle for justice and peace in the world. Help us to feel the heartbeat of life itself and to find wonder and awe in both the struggle and the beauty of life. To remember we are connected in mystery and miracle to one another and all of creation. To care for this fragile planet and work for the well-being of every creature. To affirm life and to walk upon this earth in gentleness and reverence. May it be so and amen.
reading entitled Giving by David White. Giving is difficult. To learn to give is almost always the simple and often heartbreaking act of just giving again. To stop giving in any situation is to call an end to relationship. Giving is an essence of existence and a test of our character. It asks deep questions about our relationship to others, to ourselves, and strangely, to time itself. All gifts change with the maturation of their recipients. To give well, appropriately and often, is to establish a beautiful seasonal symmetry between the urgency within us that wishes to be generous and the part of the world that is suddenly surprised and happy to receive. To give generously but appropriately, and then most difficult of all, and as the, most <clears throat> as the full apotheosis of the art with feeling, is the moment and spontaneously has always been recognized as one of the greatest of human achievements. Giving is not done easily. Giving is difficult. Giving well is, in fact, a discipline that must be practiced and observed over years to be done properly. The art often involves giving the wrong thing to the wrong person at the wrong time and learning to do the opposite through time and trial. <laughs> Bread machine. <laughs> it means getting beyond the boundaries of our own needs. It means understanding another and another's life. It acknowledges implicitly that we ourselves must be recipients of things we cannot often identify or even find ourselves. Giving has an enormous horizon and a breath that is hard to compass. It is both a practicality, it creates bonds and dependencies necessary to our communal well-being, but it is also an essentiality. The essence of giving being that the other person is simply alive and by corollary, not only a privilege to know, but a living privilege themselves who has the astonishing ability to acknowledge both the somebody who has given and the something that is given to them. As far as we know, no other corner of creation but a human being has the ability to fully acknowledge the spirit of another in this way. To give always involves a tiny act of courage, a step of coming to meet, of saying, I see you and appreciate you, and also making an implicit promise for the future. Philip's Birthday by Mary Oliver. I gave to a friend that I care for deeply something that I loved. It was only a small, extremely shapely bone that came from the ear of a whale. It hurt a little to give it away. The next morning I went out, as usual, at sunrise, and there in the harbor was a swan. I don't know what she or he was doing there, but the beauty of it was a gift. Do you see what I mean? You give and you are given. I was on a flight 
to a minister's conference. And it was one of the worst flights I'd ever been on. It was storming. We were bouncing all over the place. And everyone on that flight looked pretty scared. Even the flight attendants looked pretty uneasy. Well, evidently, the travel agent who had made my reservation had included my title. Because at one point, a flight attendant came up to me and said, Reverend Trotsman, we understand you're a minister. Would you be willing to do something religious? And I said, why, of course. And I took up a collection. My colleague, Brandic Lovely, says, let there be an offering to sustain and strengthen this place which is sacred to so many of us, a community of memory and hope, for we are now the keepers of the dream. A dream that began with our spiritual ancestors, including the people who founded this congregation in 1866. A dream of a world at peace and all its people one, brought together by the spirit of love that is the heart of universalism, and the truth that we are all one, the message of Unitarianism. I'm facilitating a course on UU history, and each week we are learning about the courage of our spiritual ancestors, people across Europe, the United States, who through time gave of themselves their money, their energy, their commitment, year after year. Some of them even gave their lives for our free faith. This is our legacy a legacy that asks us to be courageous and leave a legacy for future generations by giving in turn. The word courage comes from the Latin word core, which means heart. Courage means having the confidence to act in accordance with your beliefs and values, which is your core, your center, your authentic self. It's not easy to do in this time where open and widespread hatred, bigotry, misogyny, and fear of those who are different are being practiced and promoted. It takes courage to live our values of inclusion, belief in the inherent worth and dignity of every person, the freedom to believe as we choose, welcoming the stranger with radical hospitality. It takes courage to acknowledge our privilege and our power as white people, to do the hard soul work required to be truly anti-racist, and to let Kent and Portage County and Ohio know who we are and what we stand for. And for that matter, we could let Iowa know too, that's fine. (laughs) It takes courage to be ourselves, to live with authenticity, integrity, faithfulness. It takes courage to be a part of this community and to not only be in relationship with one another, but to stay in relationship when it's difficult. Poet David White says about courage, it's the measure of our heartfelt participation with life, with another, with a community, a work, a future. To be courageous is not necessarily to go anywhere or do anything except to make conscious those things we already feel deeply and then to live through the unending vulnerabilities of those consequences. He goes on, to be courageous is to live up to and into the relationships that often already exist with things we find we already care deeply about, a person, a future, a possibility in society, 
or with an unknown that begs us on and always has begged us, calling us on. I love the language he uses. The relationships we have and a relationship with the future, the unknown that calls us on. Today, it's time to talk with you about our relationships with one another and our future. How we sustain these relationships by giving. Giving of our time, our money, our gifts, and our talents. And how giving helps us grow spiritually. You heard from David White in the first reading that giving is how we are able to understand ourselves and be in relationship with others. He says that giving is the essence of existence and it tests our character. It asks deep questions about our relationships to others, to ourselves. Giving is practical, he says, creating bonds and dependencies that are necessary for being together. The essence of being, giving, is that the other person is simply alive. We acknowledge that, and it is a privilege to know them. They are a living privilege as well. They have the ability to both acknowledge someone you who has given and the gift they are given. David White knows our survival and well-being depend on giving, but he really names the spiritual element of giving. To give is the heart of the spiritual life because spirituality is about relationship, relationship with ourselves, with one another, and with ultimate reality, however you name and understand that source of strength and hope. To give of yourself is to enter into these relationships and to participate more fully in life. As part of the spiritual life, giving is the heart of what we do in this community. UU Minister Victoria Safford tells us how to go about it. We ask you to care for each other, to notice when illness strikes, or death, or sorrows unseen. We ask you to help one another to teach each other's children and to teach each other to be wise parents. We ask you to run this place. We ask that you usher once in a while since someone has to do it. That you look at your life in this community as exactly that, life within community. She goes on by saying, whether you're a member or whether you just come on Sunday mornings, whether you rush in and out or stay for potlucks and programs and all the rest, we ask you every year for a financial pledge. And because we are you, we can be neither apologetic nor coy nor subtle about this. She concludes by saying, we ask that you weave here together some kind of sturdy, gorgeous web, because without that among you, this thing won't work. Without our shared commitment to weave a web together as the Incas wove grass together to create bridges that connected them, this thing won't work. So I'm not going to be coy or apologetic or subtle. We don't receive grants or government funding. We depend entirely on your generosity and your belief that what we do here changes lives and changes the world. So I know money can be an uncomfortable topic. One of my colleagues told me that today she's giving her first pledge drive sermon and she's terrified. She said she'd rather talk about sex. (laughs) There's a stereotype about us. We're great when it comes to talking about sex, but we're uncomfortable talking about money. For some of us, that discomfort is because of limited resources. You may be thinking, I can't give very much, or there may be a little guilt or uncomfort about it. Well, there's an old saying I just made up. (laughs) 
Well, when we all give a little, no one has to give a lot. When we're as generous as we each can be and put it all together, whether it's our time, our talents, our money, our wisdom, or our compassion, there's more than enough to go around. There's another stereotype about UUs. We don't have a theology around money. We do, actually, but you've probably never heard it. Like the broader topic of giving, our theology of money is based in relationship. In community, money is a form of energy flowing from and through our interconnected relationships. At its best, that flow is dynamic, empowering, and an instrument of transformation. When that energy is flowing, we are able to do the work of loving one another, living authentically, and sharing our values with a world that desperately needs what we have to offer. When we give our time, our leadership, and our presence, we are saying yes to life's invitation to continue this work and to live into this relationship, which is one I hope you care deeply about. Giving to this community is also an act of vulnerability because we won't always live up to our shared vision. At times, there is the joy of seeing our ministries thrive as you interact with our talented staff or you participate in the programs, the activities, and the ministries we do together. At other times, you may struggle when your gifts are not fully acknowledged, which hurts. The community or I disappoint you in some way, or we fail to live up to our covenant or our vision. You may not always know how your giving makes a difference. You may never find out that the time you spend talking to someone during our social hour affirmed them or even saved their life. You hope the children you spend joyful hours teaching in our religious education program or in our Hogwarts program will grow up to be lifelong UUs who will continue the legacy we're creating for future generations. We'll probably never meet the many people who benefit from the offering we give away once a month to agencies in our community that serve those in need or whose lives are changed because of the social justice work we do together. But you will know the joy that comes with giving, and you can trust that your gift matters. It's the wind. (laughs) And there will even be times when a return on your gift will come in some surprising ways, like the end of Mary Oliver's poem when the world gives her an unexpected encounter with beauty and wonder. And there in the harbor was a swan. I don't know what he or she was doing there, but the beauty of it was a gift. Do you see what I mean? You give, and you are given. Maybe you'll experience a time when a hand holds yours as you face one of life's losses or challenges, or someone tells you how glad they are to see you. A passing remark turns into a deep pastoral conversation that helps you know what you need to do. A card of caring arrives in the mail, Or your minister takes you out to lunch and doesn't ask you to join yet another committee, but just just wants to spend time with you. (laughs) A time in your life when you're able to live with courage by simply being your authentic self, knowing there is a place for you here and that the gifts you bring are very welcome. You give and you are given. We give and we are given. These are the words of the Reverend William Murray. These are the days that have been given to us. Let us rejoice and be glad in them. 
These are the days of our lives. Let us live them well in love and service, giving and sharing our many gifts. These are the days of mystery and wonder. Let us cherish and celebrate them in gratitude together. These are the days that have been given to us. Let us make of them stories worth telling to those who come after us. Now blessed by this time together and renewed in our commitment to be a community of people who are courageous and trust in the future we create together through giving of ourselves, let us go forth in joy and hope to continue inspiring love, seeking justice, and growing in community. May it be so. Blessed be. Amen.